Welcome to Legally Groomed Positive Cash Flow. This podcast's focus is towards the pet grooming industry, but other small businesses may also benefit. Whether you are looking to start your own pet grooming business or you have been in business for many years, my goal is to help you scale your business, save money and taxes, and create a business that grows your wealth. Consider this podcast as that spoonful of sugar which can help the medicine go down. My name is Chris Lights. I am an enrolled agent specializing in helping small businesses with their taxes and accounting needs. My mission is to empower you through the knowledge to create that positive cash flow in your day-to-day business activities. Remember, the information we share is for educational purposes only, not individual tax advice. Now that we got that out of the way, let's start the show. Welcome to this episode of Legally Groomed Positive Cash Flow. In today's episode, I wanted to talk to you about partnerships and qualified joint ventures. And at the end of the podcast, I'm also going to go over the Corporate Transparency Act, which I got some more information during my recent seminar in Oregon. So let's start though with uh, partnerships. So a partnership is a business that you are setting up with more than one person. You could have general partnerships where there is just a, an, a where there is a partnership agreement of who is an active partner, where they're doing the actual work of the partnership, and who are possibly passive partners, where they may have some investments within the partnership, but they're not taking any active role. Now, when you have an LLC, a limited liability company, with two or more members, it will default into a partnership. When you are getting your EIN number, one of the things that you're putting in when you're doing an LLC is how many members are there, and they will ask for the names as well. And then when you get the EIN, you'll also get a letter that says that you are required to file the partnership return following the tax year by March 15th on a form 1065. And that's actually an informational form. From that, you will get a K-1 for your percentage of the partnership, and that will go on to your 1040. And for each partner, they will get one as well. Now, as an LLC with more than two members, you do have the option to elect to be treated as an S-Corp, and then you will go and file a S-Corp tax return, an 1120S, and that too has a due date, March 15th. Now, you can get an extension six months, leaving that to 9-15-2023, which will be the next one. Now, Some issues with partnerships is that you cannot be on payroll if you are a partner. Just like when you are a sole proprietor, you should not be on payroll. Any net income that is on your K-1 going on to your tax return and you will be subject to self-employment taxes. It is possible to get a guaranteed payment that should all be listed within a partnership agreement, but that is not a salary that is not on payroll and that amount will also be subject to self-employment tax. Now, one of the things that I'd like to mention is that even if you had 
no income. Let's say that you set up a LLC. At the end of the year, you have two or more members, and but you had no income for 2022. That doesn't take away the fact that you need to file a partnership return by March 15th. Otherwise, you can get hit with a pretty big penalty. In 2022, the non-filing penalty was $210 for each month the returns are filed for each partner. So as you can see, that can get very expensive. So if you are looking to do a partnership with someone else and get an LLC, but you don't think that you're going to set up your business to get started before January 1st of 2023, I would hold off on getting the EIN number until after the 1st. Because the IRS is going to use the date of when you are applying for the EIN to say that when your partnership return will be filed. Now, there is an instance where if you are an LLC and your only partner is your spouse, you may or may not have to file on the 1065. Now, if you are in a community property state, and I'm going to list them out for you here, Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin, if you are an LLC and your spouse is your only partner, you can actually file with your 1040. And this way, you don't have to worry about the filing a partnership return. However, if you're an LLC outside of these nine states, even if your only partner is your spouse, you are still having to file a 1065. So you really want to speak with a tax professional to help you get that straight because you don't want to find yourself getting hit with these penalties. Personally, I am not a fan of partnership returns. They are a lot more complex. Plus, if there are only two partners and one partner decides not to continue, you actually have to dissolve the partnership, which can be very big undertaking. You don't want to do that on your own. And the other thing is you have to get, if one partner is going to continue, you actually will have to get a new EIN and you'll have to either get a new LLC and operate separately, or if you're just going to keep it as being a um, sole proprietor, you'll have to file a Schedule C. So you're looking at having to file two business returns. And again, it can get very complex. So usually when I hear that there are more than, you know, there are two or more members in an LLC and they are not married and they are not in a community property state, I usually suggest maybe look into doing the S-Corp election. That's usually the only time I think that it's going the S-Corp sooner versus waiting, like I had spoken about that last week, is for this circumstance. So this way, if for any reason one of the two of you decide not to continue, if you have an S-Corp, you don't have to close everything down. And I'll be going over a lot more on S-Corporations next week. Okay, so question is, how do you file? So for a qualified joint venture, like I said, you're going to actually file on your personal 1040. You'll be doing a Schedule C, and then what happens is that net income is 
50-50. So I have one client, she's in Washington, she has a LLC with her spouse, only partner, and what I do with her is I file a Schedule C, like regular, but then on her Schedule SE, which is the self-employment form, I do 50-50 for each of them. And what is good for this is that both spouses will have credits towards Social Security and Medicare. Now, if you are a filing a regular partnership return, you're doing a 1065, and you are an LLC married but in a non-community property state, each of you will get a K-1. That will then be filed on your 1040 on the Schedule E, and from that, you will have self-employment. And this is where if, let's say that, you don't want to necessarily have a 50-50 with the your partner, your spouse. This could happen if the spouse is not as active. They are, you added them for whatever reason as a member to your LLC. But the idea is that you are the groomer. You are taking care of 90% of this and they are maybe a 10% partner. In that sense, on your K-1, it will show the division of both partners. And then you would pay self-employment tax based on your net income from that K-1. Now, on the 1040 itself, you're going to see the total income. But the 1040 actually is driven by whatever information that you are putting into the proper schedules and forms. So if definitely if you have any questions regarding partnerships, you want more information, I always suggest one, especially if you are working as a partnership with a non-relative, you want to go with a attorney so they can help you with a partnership agreement. This is security for both partners. Also, if you have a partnership that are including any children, remember children are not part of that qualified joint venture. So if you also are planning to add your children as partners and you want to do it like an LLC and you want to do the partnership, you're going to have to do a 1065. And then all that information from each of your K-1s will have to go on your personal tax returns. So one of the things that I wanted to just add on for this week I had recently attended a tax seminar on S-corporations from the life cycle, from when you're starting up all the way through to taking care of an exit strategy. Do you plan to sell your business at one time, or are you going to just decide to, you're going to work until you can't work anymore and then just dissolve it? So all of these issues were actually covered. And one of the things that was also covered a little bit is the corporate Transparency Act. A mouthful, right? So this is really, it's just a heads up. This has been in the works for a while. They've been trying to get a lot of input of how this needs to be handled. And it only recently had a final ruling. However, anything regarding this is not going to go into effect before 2024. And that is a target date. But Dealing with the government, you know, it could be delayed because it's through the U.S. Treasury 
and the IRS will also have some involvement. I wanted to give you a indication a little bit about what this is. If you are an LLC, this is going to affect you. And one of the reasons is that LLCs, as you know, from a lot of times you may listen to the news about hearing shell companies, etc. And what they're happening is that it's not always easy to find out who is actually involved in an LLC. And this Corporate Transparency Act is primarily going to affect LLCs and small corporate businesses. The question is why? Well, it is an effort to get more transparency of who actually has an LLC, especially those that are really shells and they may have LLCs under them as well. We actually have four states where you can get an LLC where you can set it up anonymously. These states include New Mexico, Nevada, Delaware, and Wyoming. And because of this, being able to set up, businesses have been able to kind of move money around and they may not be moving it around legally. So this new law would actually strip that anonymous standing and every member of an LLC will now need to be registered within the database. So illegal activities like money laundering can be more easily tracked. It's not really going to do anything much for for you as you are small businesses, you're doing an LLC for legal purposes, you are trying to, you know, protect your own assets for any kinds of business debts, etc. like we spoke about last week, but it is something that you will be subject to. So what does it mean for you? Well, pretty much it's just another database. You are already listed in your state, the Secretary of State, usually when you try to track to look for a business, you can usually go in there and you'll see who has an LLC and they'll give some information. This will just be more on a federal basis. So a couple of things that'll happen, and then again, nothing before 2024, is that you'll actually have about 30 days to register if you've already had an LLC set up before the end of 2023. Once the database becomes active, then we'll have 30 days to register. Also, if you have any kinds of changes that need to be made, possibly you added another member or a member is no longer part of your LLC, you need to update that within 30 days. And if you become an LLC in 2024, you will have 30 days from the date you get the notification from your state to register. Again, this is just a heads up. We are dealing with the government. So even though the act has been finalized, there is still that technical issue of having the database ready to go on January 1st of 2024. I would definitely be keeping you up to date as I get more information. Once it is, I'll be reaching out to my clients for the information needed and I will help them get set up. There's nothing to worry about. Just be something to be, to be prepared for. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to let me know. I hope I was able to give you some information that might help you if you are looking at a multi-membered LLC or a partnership. I just want to make sure that you are aware of your filing responsibilities because a partnership does have more complexities than S-Corps or sole proprietors. At least that's in my opinion. Have a wonderful week and next week again we will be talking about S-Corporations and things to be aware of. Thank you.
you so much for joining our podcast today. Are you looking for more tax and accounting help for your grooming business? Are you feeling a little adrift at everything that you need? Do you want to start out on a positive foundation or possibly fix your foundation? First, contact me at legallygroomed.com and check out my website. I invite you to join our Facebook group, Tax Issues for Self-Employed Groomers. We are a lively group that work as a community and you will not feel judged for your questions. I try where I can to provide examples when sometimes just seeing the numbers can help. Don't forget to follow the Legally Groomed Podcast, Positive Cashflow, and listen as you groom. Click the link above.